One of my favourite quotes of all time is something I came across not, not actually all that long ago. And it, it comes from a man called John Ferguson Roxburgh, who was the first headmaster at Stowe School. And he is reported to have said that he wanted to turn out young men from this school who would be, and I quote, acceptable at a dance and invaluable in a shipwreck. Uh, some of you have heard that quote before, I am sure. Uh, acceptable at a dance and invaluable in a shipwreck. And I like this very much uh, because I like the idea of teaching young people, not only educating them with information, I think we're very good at that, uh, but also educating them to be people of character. And it seems to me those two statements are embodied in the words courtesy and courage. Uh, I said to Naomi, uh, I asked her opinion, uh, perhaps it was a daft thing to do, as to whether John Roxburgh would have been pleased with how I've turned out. <laughs> she kind of gave this derisive response. Uh, I can't really uh, sort of repeat the snort that she gave, uh, pointing out that she wasn't sure how much use I would be in a shipwreck. And um, so what, you know, what, what do we want a headless chicken running around for? And, uh, and secondly, she wasn't uh, in much admiration of my dancing skills. But nonetheless, cur courtesy and courage. Who wouldn't aspire to be a person of courtesy and a person of courage? The world would be the better for us if we were marked by those, uh, marked by those characteristics. We're living in a context, uh, and I want to speak really to courage this morning. We're living in a context of um, growing fear and anxiety. I, from time to time, speak to counsellors. Oh, you want me to use that instead? Okay. Um, from Just wait for this one to come on. Come on now. Still, still see, oh, that's better. Is the other one not working at all? Okay. Do you want me to start again? No. <laughs> what was wrong with it? Anyway, okay. Um, from time to time, I speak to counsellors. And uh, uh, in all the conversations I'm having with counsellors, what I'm hearing is that there is more and more anxiety and stress and fear uh, that they're, they're having to help people with. And, um, and, and I guess it's not surprising, given all that's been going on in our in our society over recent, over the last year and a half. And then you've got the Bible, where we're often straightforwardly encouraged not to be fearful people. So let me give you a couple of verses. I like this one in particular. I have told you, Jesus says these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is speaking to his disciples just before he's going to be killed. And presumably he already knows what's going to happen because he was at least accurate in being able to predict what Peter was going to do. He knows that within you know, a few hours of him saying these words, they're all going to be consumed with fear. Peter will be so scared that he's going to deny that he knew Jesus. And uh, within just a little while, they'll be locked, they'll, be, they'll all huddle together in a locked room for fear of what's going to happen to them. But nevertheless, he instructs them not to be fearful. 
and encourages them to have courage. Um, uh, words he'd said earlier that evening, also from John's Gospel, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So here we have Jesus straightforwardly encouraging his followers not to be fearful people, knowing that they would be. Uh, and there's a degree of humour in that to me because he's saying these things to them, I suppose humour and sadness, but it's a human condition, isn't it? Even when we know what the right thing to do is, even when we know that worrying isn't going to achieve very much, we find it hard to keep our thoughts where they should be. They kind of escape our control, don't they? There was an uh, older man in my last church. We went to visit him in a nursing home and he took one look at Katie. I don't know if Katie, my daughter, is, has got a sort of face that just looks anxious or not. But anyway, he looked at her and decided she was anxious. He said, you look worried to Katie, which immediately made Katie a bit worried, probably. And um, he said to her, don't worry, it might never happen. And then he added another little line which made me laugh. He said, and if it does, it'll be too late to worry. <laughs> so we're in this context of anxiety. Our human frame, our, our human weakness is such that for many of us, we struggle not to worry. And yet Jesus encourages us, even knowing that we'll struggle to be obedient, to have courage and to live with, live with peace in our hearts. Let's just reflect on the context we're in and what we as human beings are like for a moment or two. So even before the pandemic struck, we were living in a society that at the very least was growing more and more aware of the anxiety that is circulating and that many of us experience. And, um, and, and I often ask counsellors, do they think there's more anxiety than there used to be or whether are we just more aware of it now? I think that's quite hard to know the answer to, really. But it's certainly something that a lot of us are struggling with. And, as I've said, the last year and a half will have made that more difficult for many of us. And, of course, anxiety has an unwelcome companion, depression. Um, those of us who have wrestled with anxiety know it kind of depletes you. It's exhausting, wrestling, as the psalmist says, with anxious thoughts all the time kind of depletes your energies and, and if it becomes settled often can go hand in hand with depression leaving you just feeling overwhelmed uh, and, and unable to, uh, to cope. And the first thing I want to say very clearly is if you or if someone is in that condition, if you are in that condition, God's primary response to you is compassion. Really important that you hear that, if that's you. Because sometimes you could read the words of Scripture there and imagine that God sees you as being disobedient. Or um, it, The Bible is quite clear that God is gentle with people who are struggling. There's a lovely verse in Isaiah that speaks of God not breaking a reed that is already uh, almost broken. Not snuffing out. Uh, a wick that is just smouldering. Instead, God will bind up the brokenhearted and, uh, and reignite those whose flame is almost out. So God's 
primary response to those who struggle is compassion. Anxiety has many causes, physical, spiritual, emotional, environmental, um, and sometimes might require significant intervention from doctors, from psychology professionals. But we also need to engage, and perhaps this is the most important thing, engage with God, receive his encouragement uh, in the midst of this. And um, incidentally, if you're sitting here thinking, anxiety, never had an anxious thought in my life, as I heard somebody say once, then please listen, because almost certainly you know somebody who is experiencing this. And uh, it would be good if we were well equipped to, to offer help in Jesus' name. What things do we get anxious about? I, um, uh, I read actually a few years ago a list of things that people get anxious about and the things they, most, they said they get most anxious about. And I remember, that I can't remember the exact list, but I remember being struck that fear of public speaking was higher on the list than death. I thought, goodness, I'm a courageous man. Uh, look at me, courageously confronting something even more fearful than death this morning. Well, here's a few things I think we get anxious about. Uh, our health, our relationships, doing or saying something wrong. I often tie myself up about that kind of stuff. Have you ever had this experience? You've, you've had some social experience, and it seems to have gone well, and then you go home, and something pops into your mind that you said... And you begin to imagining, imagine how that might have been interpreted by the other people. I'm seeing a few nodding heads of people who've experienced that. And you, should I apologise? Did they even notice? I normally run it by Naomi, who, she normally restrains herself from actually hitting me. But, um, but says, yeah, I think you may be overthinking this, James. Anyway, um, we get concerned about our performance. Athletes in particular, can you imagine the stress they're under? But we can also get concerned about our performance at school or at work. We get concerned about, we get frightened about our finances. I know of someone, uh, I think, who literally worried herself to death over her finances, and she had plenty of money. Hmm. Global events, of course, and these are uh, significant to us at the moment. Obviously, the pandemic, but also global warming, which I think for a lot of us and all that's coming from that causes us a good deal of anxiety. How about um, all that stemmed from the brutal murder of George Floyd? And for different reasons, we could have had quite an anxious response to that. I wonder how you are doing. Of course, all these things can be a legitimate cause for concern. And life is about managing, uh, partly about managing the risks that we face and taking proportionate responses. There's nothing wrong with that for some folk right now staying at home is the wise and proportionate thing because they have particular um, vulnerabilities for example to the virus but when we face something that is a cause for concern we can either react in a proportionate way reflect on it and take proportionate action where appropriate but sometimes it goes beyond that and we have a fear response it's very difficult to say where the line is in any point, at, any at any point, but at some point, instead of taking appropriate, having an appropriate response, we get a bit chewed up by fear and our responses 
get a bit out of hand or go, go a bit out of kilter. I think two things that mark uh, a, a fear response that is not proportionate would be, uh, I'm not saying this is, these are the only two things, but it's worth watching out for these. First of all, a control response to anxiety. Where we begin to, tr when, we, when we have something that concerns us, we start going to uh, disproportionate levels to control uh, that fear, to, control, to protect ourselves from any possibility of that thing we fear occurring. Now, of course, there's a problem with a control response. Proportionate responses, fine. A control response, the attempt to eliminate risk, is not a very good response because there are endless risks. This is not a safe world. And if we start, if our plan, if our strategy is to make ourselves entirely safe, we'll find our world getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And we'll be trying to control, we'll exhaust ourselves trying to control the living daylights out of everything. The safest thing for a ship is never to leave port. But that's not what ships are for. And so, first of all, if you observe this control response in someone else or in yourself, it, it's, not, it, it's unhealthy. We're trying to control things we can't. It will lead to greater anxiety. And if you're living with someone who is exerting that control response, it becomes quite difficult to live with. Secondly, um, compulsive information gathering. And with 24-hour media and the internet, we have endless opportunities to indulge ourselves in, in this, as if, if I can just learn more about this thing I'm frightened of, this health condition I might have, this, uh, this pandemic, global warming, whatever it might be, if I can learn more about it, I can solve it. I can somehow overcome it. It's very tempting, isn't it? For example, with the pandemic, I've fallen foul of this occasionally, although I've tried to keep myself disciplined, to just be watching for every last bit of information. I know someone who I spoke to about it recently and I asked them their view on a particular part of uh, what was going around the media at the time about the pandemic and they said, James, I'm not watching it all. He said, when there's a statement from the government or something important I need to hear, I watch it. But I'm not interested in learning stuff about things I can't control. It's a pretty wise response, I think. The cycle of anxiety and depression is horrible. I've been there, many of you will have experienced it or someone that you love has experienced it. It's, it's not pleasant. And if it's you or if it's someone that you live with or know, remember God's compassion. But if your mind is constantly preoccupied with things you can't control, how do we apply this teaching of the Bible? Well, let's turn to one or two additional scriptures to see what we can find and make some suggestions about how we apply it. I want to start with a very short psalm, three verses. Psalm 131. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. So I'm not in that information gathering trying to find out everything as though I could solve all the problems of the world. 
Instead, I've calmed and quieted myself. It's an interesting phrase. Is this something that we can actually, are there steps we can take to actually just calm ourselves down when we're fretful? The psalmist goes on, I'm like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child I'm content. This is clearly a metaphor for resting in God's presence. And that's made clear by the final verse, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. If there is, ultimately there is no hope outside of God. God is the one who we rest on, ultimately. He is the foundation for our lives. He is the rock. Imagine that you've got a dog. For some of you, that's a horrific prospect. For some of you, you have a dog. Uh, We've got a little dog. I didn't want this dog. Uh, But now, I love this dog. I mean, this dog is easily in my top ten favourite organisms. I'm not going to tell you exactly where. Uh, Naomi, when we were on holiday recently, we saw this card in a gift shop. It said it had a picture of a sort of late middle-aged looking man with a dog. And it said, there is no greater love than between uh, a pet, sorry, no, than between a grumpy old man and the pet he said he didn't want. <laughs> I love that. It's, it's true in my experience, that is. Anyway, um, imagine you're with an animal on November the 5th, and let's just say you're quite compassionate towards animals, and this animal is terrified. It's hearing all these bangs. It's fight and flight uh, system is in hyperdrive. If it's a dog, it's barking and growling, and it's a cat, all its hair is sticking on end. What are you going to do? You're going to quiet that animal if you're compassionate towards it, if you possibly can. You know there's nothing for it to be fearful of. I want to suggest to you that is an, a fair image of how God must feel about us when we are anxious. The Bible gives us all the information. All your days are written in God's book. He knows the end from the beginning. You're going to die on time. It won't be a surprise to God. When you do die, you'll fall asleep and wake up in the arms of Jesus. God knows there's nothing to be fearful of. This world can't take anything from you that God can't give you back. But we're like the animal, aren't we, sometimes? We find it hard. We're hearing the bangs around us and we're terrified. Hmm. The primary responsibility for solving, for calming our anxiety lies with God. And he will lead you through. But there are, I believe, things we can do too. As the psalmist says, I have calmed myself. Now, I'm not going to give you psychological techniques. Some of those are excellent and I encourage you if you, uh, if you are someone prone to anxiety and getting overwhelmed, absolutely nothing wrong with speaking to a counsellor or seeking out that sort of help, just as there's nothing wrong with, with going to the doctor and seeking out the help the doctor can give you. But I'm going to give you some spiritual guidance. That's what I'm 
equipped or qualified to do. And I'll, I'll finish with um, the last pa- chapter, the last passage I want to look at is in Philippians 4. Just five verses here. Philippians 4, verses 4 to 8. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. This is not go with the mood of rejoicing when it takes you. That's not what Paul is saying. He is instructing us to be joyful people. I don't think he means by that to pretend we're feeling joyful when we don't, but instead to deliberately put ourselves in environments of joy, worship, and to deliberately reflect, ruminate, and we'll come to this in a moment, on things that bring joy into your life. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. When we're anxious, we don't feel very close to God because all we can see is the thing that we're worried about. But whether or not you know it, God is near. He is looking out for you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Even in the teeth of anxiety, we will, with self-discipline, pray about what we are concerned about. Let that be your, the pattern of your life. And then there's a promise that God's peace, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I read recently a, a really good quote, and that was this, that anxiety is undisciplined foresight. Foresight is a good thing. We're encouraged to have foresight in the Bible, to think about the future and prepare for it in a proportionate way. But when it gets indisciplined, it turns into anxiety as we start to worry about every last possibility that might occur and how we would cope with it and how we deal with it. This is a life of discipline where we deliberately watch what's coming in, what environment we're in, and we cultivate peace and joy in our lives, primarily by turning to God. And then finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Paul is encouraging us to give our attention to things that inspire us. Now, if you're watching, um, as is very tempting, if you're watching the news for hours each day, all the research shows that people get really, they really give their attention to things that stokes their fear. And the people who run news channels, who are reliant on media revenues from advertising, are well aware of that fact. If you're watching that for hours each day and not praying and not reading the Bible very much, then it's not surprising that your whole attention is clouded by the things that could potentially go wrong. It's just one example. There's all sorts of different ways we could fall off the horse that side. One of the things that is a typical characteristic of people who suffer with anxiety and depression is that they are ruminators. They're people who, go, who, who, if they're sitting on their own, will be chewing over things that have gone. And somehow, rather than ruminating on good stuff, it's really easy to ruminate on all the things that you think you've got wrong, all the things that might happen. Here Paul is saying, ruminate away, but ruminate on good stuff. So some practical 
suggestions for you to, as you try and live out the Bible's teaching here. First of all, um, we're encouraging the Bible to know ourselves. What sort of person are you? And if you are a person prone to anxiety, you might as well face that. The first step I would say is if actually you know right now you're in a crisis, then please seek help. Go to your doctor, go to your pastor, not all at once. Uh, go to, no, you come, you come and speak to me. Go to your pastor, go to your doctor, seek professional counselling, seek the help that's out there. Very often, the aim is to be a person who keeps reasonably informed about things in life, is, shows good foresight, and takes proportionate responses to threats, and is prayerful. If you know that your temptation is to go beyond that, then keep an eye on yourself, and when you need help, seek it out. Generally, change it coming out of being overwhelmed with anxiety takes a bit of time. It doesn't happen overnight. You're going to need a bit of support. And if you start to invest in good practices, and if you start to turn to God in prayer, and start to watch what's coming in, that is likely to have a positive impact. But you might need a bit of other help from other professionals like doctors and counsellors. There are exceptions. Sometimes God steps in and just changes things. So I'd encourage you to seek prayer. Because that's always a good thing to do. And it might be God's will just to switch a light. Turn off the anxiety. The world is not a safe place. Of course there's room for proportionate mitigation of risk. But ultimately the solution to anxiety is not to try and make everything safe. The solution to anxiety is to learn trusting God. Faith, deep faith. That means you can look into all the risks of this life and say I know they're all there. But I'm clinging on to God. Embrace that the Lord is near, as Paul says. Do everything you can to remind yourself of that. One of the things I've done recently is to, um, is to I've got fed up with pretty much all secular radio stations. So I've decided in the morning, when my alarm goes off, it switches on to Premier Praise Radio. There's a lady who does the breakfast show on that. She is a great lady. I don't know if anybody else listens to it. She makes me laugh every time. She's got all these little rhymes trying to encourage people to stay positive. And um, sometimes if I'm waking up and I've got a few things in the day that I'm not particularly looking forward to, she kind of resets my thinking. On Wednesday this week, she said, it is wonderful Wednesday. And I was sort of thinking, wonderful for who? And she said, uh, she said it's going to be wonderful. Do you know why it's wonderful? paused and said, well, that's up to you, isn't it? I, I just quite like that. I like, I like to be challenged a little bit like that. Give yourself to the scriptures. God gave these to you and to me so that our lives could be shaped by his thinking, not the anxious thinking of this world. Pray. Every time you're tempted to look on the internet to see if you can find a solution to your anxieties, I hope a little voice will go in your head, the, the voice of the Spirit saying, you won't find the solution to your anxieties on the internet. But you can find them in God, in prayer and in the scriptures. Use resources. Get some worship music that is to your taste. 
and helps you to reach out to God and play it when you're tempted to anxiety. Read the scriptures, read good Christian books. If you want to know where to get started, if you look on the, the, the church website, there's a blog. I put tons of book reviews on that blog of books I've read that I think would be helpful. You'll find some there, I'm sure, that would be helpful for you. Join other Christians in prayer. Join a life group if you're not in one. Find people that you can relate to who will encourage you. Lots of people find help in journaling, just writing down their feelings at the end of the day and praying, writing out a prayer maybe. The Lord has given us this life. He knows how many days there will be in yours and mine. And one day there'll be a day that we get to that we don't get to the end of. I hope it'll be many years away for you. But that's not your final day. That's just the day when you're translated into a much better life. Things are going to go well, ultimately. So you may as well enjoy them while you're getting there. Lord is near to you in every one of those days and he can be trusted to steer you safely home. My wife, for those of you who don't know, is a doctor and once she said to me that of all the different conditions that she has seen people in, she thinks the saddest is when they're crippled by anxiety. And I think she, it was a long time ago she said this to me but I think the words she said were, I'm sure I'm paraphrasing them somewhat, there's all sorts of health conditions you can get that will, will steal you know, your quality of life and ultimately steal your life, at least your earthly life. But anxiety will steal your joy while you're still healthy. Brothers and sisters, May your life, may you learn the virtue of courage. May God teach you it. As it says at the end of Psalm 27, wait for the Lord. Dwell in his presence. Turn to him and walk with him. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. <laughs>